We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, nerd friends. Welcome to another episode of the Mavs Moneyball Spotify Live Show. Now, we're not naming it something stupid because I couldn't think of anything. But as I've advertised or at least attempted to, uh, my buddy Scott, a.k.a. CBA Mavs, and I are going to be up here for, I don't know, at least a half hour, taking CBA questions uh, where he will answer, and I will act like I know what I am talking about and just kind of play a little bit of devil's advocate in so far as I can. So coming up first, we're going to talk with Scott. He's just going to hang out for a while, and you guys are welcome to send in your speaker requests and ask some of the pressing questions related to things CBA. But also, if you want to ask other questions, we're obviously taking those too. Hey, Scott, what's up? Off to a bang-up start. I'm here, man. I'm here. I'm. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, dude? Not much. <clears throat> just, uh, just uh, yeah, I saw someone say they've been looking forward to this. I've been thinking about doing one of these for a long time, and, and I'm excited. Um, you know, I've got my Spotrack, my uh, CBA FAQ in case I need to look up something, but I, I'm mostly just going to go off of what's already in my brain. So, so let's start before people ask some questions. My man Rolo in the chat has a really, what I think is a great question. Could you kind of start by breaking down some of the basics about where the Mavericks are and just in, put that in some historical context because as far as I understand it, since the 2011, we are still on an extended version of uh, the Mavericks have never gotten into the luxury tax. So could you just sort of walk us through some of the basics? Yeah, so <clears throat> the uh, luxury tax has really changed a lot over the years. It used to be 
um, you know, at the beginning, Cuban was just like, I'm going to go over and, and it's a dollar for dollar and I'll just keep going. Remember the Jawan Howard trade? I don't know if anybody here remembers the Jawan yes. Howard trade. <laughs> I was on uh, online, the beginnings of fan forums. And <clears throat> then they just kept going to where they – my article I've never written is the 20 – the 2000 draft where they took Courtney Alexander, Etan Thomas, you know, Bad Eduardo draft. Nahara. Bad Daniel, draft. Daniel Harvey, Harvey. Yeah, but, but what they did is they took that and they made the trade for Jawan Howard and they made the trade for – you know, and, and actually it built all the way to everything that made the championship, if you track it all. Um, and they just turned the pieces over and over and over because they were able to take at that time. But what people, new new fans don't remember, but back in the day, man, you could get a seven-year deal. You get a six-year deal. It's only been in recent NBA history that you had these shorter deals. So now teams can't get in that bad of trouble because, you know, the contract's always up after a little while. Can you imagine if John Wall had signed a seven-year max deal and he still had four years going up 55, 60 million, it would be – that, that's what we were dealing with at the time. Not that, those numbers, but just that kind of salary cap flotsam out there. And so then at that time, you could do that. Okay, so then they, they make it a little bit more incrementally harsh, incrementally, incrementally harsh. I think what Cuban did after the uh, 2011 team when he broke it apart is that he went with the idea of we need to get a new young star, which is not a bad idea um, in and of itself. But they, to do that, they thought, you know, the best route is going to be um, using cap space, of course. And so they struck out on Dwight Howard and Carmelo Anthony, LeBron. We were never really in that. And uh, <clears throat> everybody else we tried to get and, and even Darren Williams, which is funny. And then Hassan Whiteside, everybody. Anyway, so the idea is that Hassan like, Whiteside was a dark point. But yes, go when, ahead. When you are near getting somebody with cap space, you are not going to be near the luxury tax. It's just a fact. You know, you can't you can't just all of a sudden springboard to the luxury tax. So even if you fill up all of your contracts right then, you can't get there. What gets you to um, luxury tax area is when you have players that need raises, which is we are in an historic moment here where Luke is going from 10 million to um, 36.6 million, I think. And then Brunson's going to go from 2 million to this really big number. And uh, DFS went from 4 million to, I think, uh, you know, 13 million. So you add all those together and it pushes us from our, you know, just salary. That's pretty much the same over the luxury tax. And it's going to be a big bill. Well, so what are like, like what's, and if you don't know specifics, I'm pretty sure you do. But what is like the like what was the 2021, 22 salary cap, and then what is the luxury tax line? The luxury, okay, so the salary cap was 112 million point two, I believe. Uh, I just okay. Have to go back and look at it, and then this year it's projected at 122, so it's 10 million more. Um, that's because it was like superficially kept down a little bit because of COVID related, uh, you know, all the <clears throat> empty stadiums um, and, you know, doing stuff in a bubble and doing less games. Um, and then this year they did full 82 games and they did, right. you know, full stadium and, and everything like that. And all the, all the money came through since it's a per game. Okay. Right. Right. And so then what's the, what is the just rough like salary, like, like, um, what do we call it? The luxury tax line is. Isn't it about like a hunt? Like for for this upcoming season, isn't it like in the hundred and fifty-five million dollar range? 
that's the tax apron. The tax line is 149, so it's 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 projected at right at 27 million over the salary cap. And then so the next if, year, it's go ahead. So if you're in between 120 and 149, you aren't penalized. You just don't have a lot of flexibility. Is is that like the English you know phraseology there? Well, you can get some, you can get players in sign and trade in that area up until the apron. You can you can use the full MLE in that area. Um, you know, you can sign players and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of the idea there. When you get to the apron line, there's three things you can't do. One of which we don't even need the 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 BAE, the biannual exception we used on Sterling Brown last year. Uh, like it like it sounds, you can only use it once every two years. We used it on Boban. Uh, three years ago, and we used it on Sterling Brown last year. It's a pretty cheap one, so it's not ever going to get you a great player. Um, okay. And then the other thing is you can't use the full MLE. Uh, the full MLE, what I mean by that is you can't use any any amount past the taxpayer MLE, which is three years, $20 million. So you can't go three years, $23 million. You know, that would be – if you did that, you'd be using the full MLE, and that would trigger the hard cap just like receiving a free agent and a sign-in tree. So that's the other thing. The receiving a free agent and a sign and trade, I have to phrase it like that so people don't get confused. Re-signing Jalen Brunson does not hard cap us. Uh, sign and trading Jalen Brunson away does not hard cap us. What hard caps us is receiving like a Zach Levine or an Aiton or Bamba, you know, in a, in a sign and trade. Um, but the thing there is if we sign J- Brunson and send him away, then we're going to have a lot of salary. Um, and we won't be able to get under the – Hard cap. So, in effect, if you are using Brunson in terms of re-signing him or signing trading him away, you're going to be way over the apron, and you won't be able to get under unless you use massive amounts. People always think like, oh, there's just a bunch of cap space teams that are going to freely take Davis Bertans or Dwight Powell, and I'm like, bro, that is not that is not the way it works. They squeeze teams. If they have cap space, there's only like five teams with real cap space this summer. So. Yep. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a seller's market. They, they, they will say, okay, give us a first if you want us to take Davis Bertans. And I, I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm not trying to dodge the hard, tap, hard cap so I can get Mo Bamba and lose Jalen Brunson. <laughs> okay, okay. So what you're painting an initial picture of here is, is the Mavericks very quickly went from being a team that – had some cap space and had some flexibility, meaning two seasons ago, to this offseason because of the rapid rise of the salaries of their two best players. So so Brunson, who were just – let's just for the sake of argument assume the Mavericks are, are aimed to re-sign Brunson. And then Luka Doncic paired with the – you know, the, the already large salaries of Spencer Dinwiddie, Tim Hardaway um, – and basically the rest of the roster, the Mavericks went from being an expensive-wise team to, like, one of the more expensive teams in, in the league. Is, is, that, is that fair to say, or am I, am I misreading some of the numbers? Yeah. I mean, the most expensive teams are two in particular, the Golden State Warriors and the Clippers. So Nicholas Batum is on one of those fake one-plus-one uh, one deals, and so he's going to get re-signed early bird rights. He and Bobby Portis, people keep thinking, hey, these two guys are going to opt out and they're going to be free agents. Well, what they did is both of them played the previous season for those teams, and they're going to get like a big bump because that team will now have early bird rides can pay them up to $12 million. Mm. So don't think that we don't think that we can get Batum or Bobby Portis. That's not happening. Um, 
And so those the, the two teams are the Golden State Warriors and the Clippers. So the Clippers, when they add in the 10 or whatever million they're going to give Batum, they're going to be pretty high, really high, because they gave Covington the deal. They got Powell. They got all those salaries. <clears throat> and then the Golden State Warriors with their, like, four nearly max players are, you know, really, really high up there. Um, but, yeah, we're, we're, we're not too far behind them next season. Now, now a lot of our contracts come off at the end of next season. And so we'll have to make decisions on Powell and, and, and Maxi. I don't know what we're going to do there or uh, it depends on who we, who we keep. And also if we like the warriors were smart in that they kept Durant's contract on by getting D'Angelo Russell. And then they used D'Angelo Russell's salary spot to acquire Wiggins. So it's like, we don't really want to be over the cap and then lose salary spots. So mm. if, 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 you would have Dwight Powell kind of like shift it into a longer term piece and keep your salary high. Um, because unless you're going to dip below and use salary cap to, to, to get a big free agent, it's like you want to keep your salary high just so that it's useful in trades. So we've had, I'm keeping track of the questions. And so for people that are verbalizing them and then I'm going to bring people up. So, so Jordan, I see you there hanging out, but let's, let's just go through them. So earlier today, somebody who wasn't able to join basically said to me, you know, could you explain what is going on with the, uh, is it, do you call it trade exception to TPE? I'm some of the, you know, what, basically what happened when we sent trade player exception. Yeah. Okay. The, the Josh Richardson, wasn't it for Josh Richardson? It's like a shade under 10 million. Is that right? Like what, what is that? What is going on with that? And are we just kind of out of our gourds, even considering that to be something that the Mavericks could do something with? I'll give my rundown on the TPA. First of all, I hate TPs. I hate trade player exceptions. They're the most misunderstood thing by so many people. And it, and it just, I've answered so many traded player exception questions in my life that <laughs> I, Actually, before they made that trade last summer, I was saying to somebody, oh, I'm so glad we don't have that Harrison Barnes exception anymore. I hope they don't get one. And then lo and behold, they get another one. It's a shade under 11 million. Just like uh, Ike just said, it's 10.8 million. You're allowed to take back. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll, we're, I'll phrase this appropriately. You can absorb contracts with traded player exceptions. That's what they do. So they're they're a way they're a mechanism to keep player salaries high throughout the NBA. So somebody trades a player into cap space. Hey, that cap space could have been used for a player. So now the player that traded that player is able to then like get the benefit of absorbing a contract, not using it for space to sign a player. Um, they can't they can't combine it. You can't take our ten point eight million and say, OK, with Dwight Powell, now we can get a twenty million dollar player. No, that's not it. The only thing you can do is absorb a player and the amount of salary that person has, it reduces the TPE by that amount. And then you can use it again. So you could, you could, you could use the TPE to absorb a 10, a $5.8 million player and then a $5 million player. And that would be actually 5.1. So the idea is that it expires June 27th, a little bit after the draft, we have to use it this year. And there's very specific rules about making a trade in between the end of your season and the beginning of the new financial year, we cannot trade for and we cannot trade away any ending contracts. So Brunson, you cannot trade him. Mm. Um, Aiton, Levine, none of these guys, or even if they have an option that m- could make it become an ending contract, those are off the table. None of those can be traded. Um, <clears throat> the other thing is that it, it's their 2021, 2022 salary. So Rashawn Holmes actually does fit in the TPE. 
at the beginning of last season, he would not have. Of course, he wasn't tradable until January 15th. But when he when he would have been eligible, we wouldn't have been able to trade for him at that time because his uh, 15% uh, trade bonus would have put him over the TPE. Now, he could have waived it, but he negotiated pretty hard to get it. But then at some point, the remainder of his salary being bumped by 15% was actually lower than this. And so currently, we could absorb him at the draft. The other way you could use it is to say, like, somebody says, take this contract and we'll give you this pick. Um, but you can't do a trade that's going to require to be completed after the new year, after the new, like, financial year. You know, a lot of draft day deals are not actually completed in July. Um, now, you can't do what uh, what's-their-names tried to do. The Bucks and the Kings were trying to do that sign-and-trade, so Woj leaked it. The Bogdan Bogdanovich, Bogdan, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich was going to be traded, and so then that got, you know, taken away, and, and Milwaukee got that big that big problem of, I think, the 58th pick overall being taken away from them, um, which is hilarious as a, as a punishment. So anyway, that, that's, that's the, what you can use a TPE for. You can absorb a contract that goes into next season um, from any team up until the 27th, but not for any player that's unsigned or about to end their contract. Okay, so that is actually pretty informative. So we have a bit of a broad question here. Um, and it was from Adam earlier. I'm scrolling back up and he said, you know, if you could speak about some of the more common misperceptions you're hearing about what the Mavs can do, but according to where they are kind of salary cap wise and limitations of the rules, they can't do. I think I've really popularized on Mavs Twitter, the, a little bit of the understanding of the hard cap, um, the hard cap, basically, like I said, it's triggered by three things, the BAE, the full MLE, and then receiving a free agent and a sign-and-trade. And so it's really fun to dream about players like Levine and Ayton and those guys. And uh, the common misperception among people who haven't been kind of like understanding this so far is that to get those players would cost the Mavericks a lot mm-hmm. because we would have to um, pay some team to absorb Davis Bertans. Let's say that. That's not a cheap thing. You know, and then the problem with Levine and with Brunson is that they both have what is the leftover of the base year compensation. So they both only count for the greater of half their new contract, the first year of their new contract or their previous salary. So Brunson was making like two million. So obviously it'll be 50 percent of his new salary. And I'm going to explain this in my article I've already written and tried to tweak a bunch. But like so Brunt, the trade math works like this. The team sending the player and the team receiving the player have to have the trade math work on their side. So Brunson for the Mavericks will only count half his salary, so $10 million. Let's say if it's a $20 million deal in the first year of his deal. So the other team has to send out at least like $16.4 million or whatever to match that $20 million. And the Mavericks can only take back like $12.6 million because that's 125% of what they're sending out plus $100,000. So then that, that, that gap in the middle leaves some room. So either a third team has to come in or you have to make the trade big enough that the 25% on both sides connects. So let me – I'm trying to think how to phrase this question. So one of the things that, that – like the responses to this that you've probably gotten is if Zach Levine wants to be a Maverick and it's in the Bulls' best interest to not let him walk away – the teams will figure something out. Have, have you 
I'm pretty sure I've seen a variation of this replied to you. Is that misstating yeah. anything? I'm sorry. I, someone just asked me to dumb that down. Yeah, <laughs> I see that, Marcellus. <laughs> I get it, man. I'm, I'm, I was told there, there would be no math, which, you know, that, that's just the problem with yeah. this, where it's we haven't had to deal with this as a franchise because Cuban never spent, <laughs> I mean, in, so, in the new CBA. Yeah, so the, the, I'll dumb it down a little bit. Okay. So, the, so Chicago is sending out Levine, right? At 35 million or whatever it is, 36.6. I think it should be the same deal as Luca because it would be 30% of the cap would be his max. And anybody who gets him is going to pay him his max. I'm just putting that out there. So then his contract sending out for Chicago only, I mean, it, it counts for uh, only 19.5 million. So they can only take back 24 million. And then the team, the team sending like receiving him counts his new salary 26.6 or 36.6 million so they have to send out like 30 million mm. so what about that, mm. what about that million in the middle now now you can make the trade big enough and make it work but the issue for the Mavericks becomes okay now we're getting a bigger salary and only able to send out a smaller salary so now we're really going to be over that hard cap so now we got to dump Bertans and TM Hardaway Jr and somebody else to make the math work if we're going to keep Brunson so sometimes what I see is, okay, you like Aiton. Do you like him enough that we just like let Brunson walk so that we can make the math work? Mm. Because if you're, if you're signing trading him away, again, you're receiving back more salary than you're sending out. And so we're already right over the apron if you consider our 26th pick. So we need to be negative on whatever we cut, get coming in. So if you add in $36 million from Zach Levine – then we need to get minus, and we need to, we need to minus some salary. So uh, my my guy it. Holden in the chat, who's I'm pretty sure he's a Warriors fan, he's been hanging out with us a little bit um, since the the earlier um, Western Conference Finals. He said, "Why is the trade math like this? Like, what's the reasoning to have these 125 percent limits and stuff?" And well, go ahead because I, I think I know, but go ahead. Um, they don't want. I mean, it would take a Golden State Warriors fan to say this. Uh, because their people would just out-trade everybody and spend all the money in the world. So there's there's different factors going into the CBA notific- uh, negotiations. One is that owners want parity with other owners, right, within certain structural limits. And then players want to negotiate for player contracts, right? Mm-hmm. So you have these different, different kind of like points of view, and so this one really strikes me. Salary cap is a myth, right? I like that. The uh, the idea of like being able to trade Brunson at twenty million and receive back like a forty million dollar player doesn't that just seem ripe for Steve Ballmer to trade away Norman Powell and some stuff and get back a big player? Anyway, it just well, seems I mean, like you know, one one yeah. of the things, and I know this for a fact, is the the. Other owners were looking to punish the Miami Heat specifically for for basically building a super team. Like the the Heat owner was one of the only ones to vote against some of the the new upcoming tax rules, which made it prohibitively expensive for Mickey Arison to keep that team together and actually like build something. So some of this stuff was done like in a retaliatory fashion, but it's also you know like like you said, there's a sense of parity. That you want, like you don't want to be able to outspend. And so if, if we look at what, I mean, they, they want to make it like you, you really got to choose to outspend. You can't do what the Yankees did for a billion years, or what the Dallas Cowboys did in the the pre-salary cap area uh, of of NFL history, where 
for for what and this is where Cuban like frankly screwed up. In 2011, he assumed they were the smartest team in the room and that they would be able to build to free agency. And instead, what we have seen past the um, cap bump, the TV like the, the the cap spike, some of the best teams in the NBA have built primarily through drafting and using the draft and then accentuating their team through free agency, like built, not bought. Like it's, it's really like, and that's kind of what the system was designed to do. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and correct. So I'm going to respond to a couple things in the, in the chat. One is that, yes, they were able to trade for Jimmy Butler because they weren't near or over the hard cap. Again, that's another mechanism that keeps teams from overspending. That's exactly why they make that rule. So that teams that are like the Golden State Warriors can't just like look at a new free agent and be like, hey, we'll pay you a bunch. Mm-hmm. And the reason – and actually, I do need to explain why the BYC thing is a thing. What's like BYC? The, the salary. It's Keith Van Horn. Oh. I hate to break it. <laughs> the Mavericks used Keith Van Horn. They kept his, they kept his rights on the books and then traded him for, for Jason Kidd in that 2008 deal. Um, so, so what they did was they were just like, okay, we'll just pay this person. And then, and then the NBA was like, oh no, like people might just pay players mm-hmm. in order to make the math work. So what they did was they made it so that if you're getting more than 120% raise, it only counts half your new salary or the last year of what you made. And so Keith, and, and then, and then it has to be like a player who just finished playing for you. So JJ Redick last year, they had, I think, thought about this and maybe we're going to use it. He had a big salary. He could have been used in this fashion where we give him a three-year – sign-and-trade deals have to be at least three years, and there can be no options. So what we could have done is given him a, a year two and a year three non-guaranteed um, so that the team could pay him that flirt first full year and then waive him, and we could have gotten back another player, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's – I don't think it's punishing teams for keeping themselves together. It's just about, like, being able to trade away and get a much more expensive salary. So they do – for non-tax teams, they actually get a break in the lower salary area from, like, $4 million to $15 million. What you can get is $5 million more than – you know, if you're trading a $10 million player and you're a non-tax team, you can get $5 million back. If you're trading $10 million and you're a tax team, you can only get $12.6 million back. Um, okay. Okay. That's, so that, that's, that's really, man, that's a lot of numbers. I'm sorry, guys. No, this no, but that, that's kind of the point though, because with respect to, and this is a little bit helpful because we no longer have Donnie Nelson constantly pissing into the wind and telling us how everything is going to be great. We're going to be doing big, smart things. Like Nico Harrison got on the radio the other day and was like, we kind of got to be smart. We don't have a ton of options. And I think that sort of floor setting expectation is fine. Because here's the thing, and I just want to state this like the big picture. Dallas Mavericks just made the Western Conference Finals, guys. We're we're pretty good basketball team. They need some depth, but you know, swinging for the fences is not like it's not really possible. So that's why we're doing this. You know, we're doing this podcast. Um, Scott's writing probably over the next month. He'll probably have I would I think we've talked about like three different things that will be spam tweeted to you and then you could send it to your friends when they're being annoying about why the Mavericks are going to go get, you know, prime Shaquille O'Neal. And, 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 and I'm going to break down all those numbers that I shared and I, and I know I'm just like yelling them at you. And so oh, I this shit is like, it's going right over my head. Like editing Scott is hilarious. Cause I'm just like, well, I have to trust his math. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I could be saying just like completely wrong stuff, and you'd be like just ready for it. Uh, so I think I think another thing that's uh, misunderstood uh, that I did want to touch on when somebody asked that question is the idea of if we get a 2023 first rounder from somebody else, that somehow that opens us up to trade our future first, and that's actually not correct uh, because our pick to the Knicks blocks 2023, 2024, 2025 as all possible years our pick could could be um, given to the Knicks. And so we we can't actually get at any point where the Stepien rule is you can you can't have two consecutive years in the future where you might have no first rounder, right? So even though the Knicks pick is going to completely convey this year, this next year, uh-huh. it's going to we're not going to finish in the top ten of right, the unless, draft. Unless Luka Doncic gets abducted by aliens or something particularly strange happens, it's going to the Knicks. And just while you have me thinking about this, guys, the the funny part about what Scott was mentioning earlier with that other rule, the Keith Van Horn-like created rule, the Mavericks, the Stepien rule also exists in, in no small part because the Mavericks were beneficiaries of the Cleveland Cavaliers owner sending them all the picks. <laughs> There's a reason the Mavericks went from being a uh, expansion franchise to the Western Conference Finals in like seven years. It's because they had some unbelievable draft picks in the 80s. And that's actually my theory why the Mavericks can't move up in the lotto because we already used our karma in the 80s. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. Yeah. I still remember the exact spot I was when the coin flip went where we were ahead of the the Hawks. Yep. Uh, and then, and then I remember where I was when they got bumped down to fifth. I was like, man, if we had a, that coin flip and the other coin flip, we could be sitting here with Luca and John Morant with actually all of our picks. Anyway, that's another day. Different um, deal. Sorry, I was just thinking about it because it's funny. Because it's like sometimes I feel like we're all bitching, and it's like we've actually, as the Mavericks as a franchise, have been the beneficiaries of some pretty sweet gigs. Know, <laughs> well, yeah, we were able to make that trade using Keith Van Horn, and and so like, I, yeah, the idea is that. They don't want you to just like keep people on uh, or just like pay somebody an enormous amount more to just make the math work. And so they make it harder by by putting that rule in. But Brunson's a different case because we're not paying him more because he's just like filling salary, but it still applies to him. And same thing with Zach Levine. It still applies to him, even though he's not what the original rule was kind of intended Mm. for. What they meant was like, could we take. Theo Pinson and pay him 15 million so we could get back another 15 million salary and just give him a payday and the non-guaranteed in year two and year three. That's what they wanted to avoid. Someone circumventing the salary cap um, rules, but you know, it just punishes players like, like Mitchell Robinson for a sign and trade. It punishes Brunson for a sign and trade and it punishes, punishes Zach Levine for a sign and trade. That's just the, that's just the way it happens. Okay. Okay. This so has so been, let me let me let me let me let me finish real quick on the uh, protection. So since the Knicks pick could convey in 2024, that means we can't trade our 2024, and we can't trade our 2025 because then it would be the 24 and the 25 back to back, and then we can't trade the 26 because it could be that the Knicks pick conveys in 25. So it really blocks us from the 24, the 25, and the 26, even if we acquire somebody else's pick. So if we acquired somebody else's first unprotected, I guess, then what we could do is we could package it with our 2027. And then after the draft, we could do the 2029. Gosh. So there's a reason why, like, 
I've been sort of using the phraseology, just understanding that, you know, the 2025 pick, um, it's, it's just, it's difficult. The Mavericks are in a difficult position because if they were to make a big trade, like trading future firsts past this 2023 one that they owe, one thing that I would like that I've kind of been trying to express to the room is that if they make a big trade, that's the last big trade. Like, that you know you're you're banking what comes with a big trade i.e you know the my my buddy koc threw out rudy gobert which got him yelled at by all of us um if they were to trade for rudy gobert and have to send out like two future firsts you're essentially saying okay this is the last move we make because after that we don't know like luka Doncic might in after the fourth year of his deal demand to be traded or something like not to get dark on people but like that's where that's where, you know, going back to to as as uh, far back as 2019, when the Mavericks started off free agency, completely unaware of what was happening on the market because Donnie Nelson was a bad GM by that point in time. They really harmed what they were doing. And it's just it, you know, when you make a trade for Porzingis, fine, you, you are you are gambling because every single trade is a gamble. But when you don't use the, the extent of what you have built in. Uh, because the Mavericks, if we remember 2019, they traded away Harrison Barnes and created some artificial cap space where, and please, Scott, correct me if I'm wrong when I'm done, they had like the ability to sign free agents and then go over the cap to sign Porzingis, uh, Maxi, and probably, was it Dorian as well? Like, to, because they had their bird rights. And the Mavericks just didn't use the various tools at their disposal. And, and, and so we're here now. That's okay, you know, because it's done now. It's just the Mavericks have, have sort of, they just, Donnie kind of always made it thing, seem like anything was possible. And, and really the vice was kind of slowly tightening because the Mavericks didn't have that many, many options with Luka Doncic's huge contract coming. And that's even before the Jalen Brunson thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that I don't have all the numbers like in my head, but that's okay. it, I do remember it being that they could have squeezed out a little bit more salary cap in 2019 on top of uh, signing Seth. It wasn't um, a ton, but it was like enough it, to like sign one more player. Like Boyan Bogdanovich was right. the one that Josh and I really wanted. And like Holden says, I didn't realize right. the, the, the Mavs had been this reckless. And it's not like reckless is I don't know if it's entirely fair, but they were earnestly like Donnie Nelson was earnestly building to make a run at Giannis Antetokounmpo. And that correct. Like that was stupid at the time. I can't express that enough. Where it's like, oh well, because of the various tastemakers of the NBA, you know, your your people who talk about this. Well, league sources are saying we're concerned that Giannis and Luca might might play might want to like be very good if they play basketball together. Well, yeah, like so would Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. Doesn't mean it's gonna happen. Sorry, De- there's tired. definitely some mis- there's definitely some misreadings of the new rules ever since Kevin Durant bolted OKC to Golden State. They made a more punitive measure in the rules for players like that. Mm. So, like, if Jokic wants to go to a new team, um, like, Jokic earned his Supermax, which is basically, like, before you hit year 10, year 6, year 7, 8, 9, you can get to the 35%, which is usually reserved for people after 10 years, okay? Um, But if you go to a new team, he can't get it. He can only get the 30%. So the difference between what he would earn on a five-year deal with Golden, I mean, with uh, Denver, and a four-year deal with any with somebody else is almost one hundred million dollars guaranteed. And so 
the the difference is so punitive that I mean I give us it, it helps us with Luca, but it should have been uh, it should have been obvious that Giannis <laughs> wasn't going to take that. So I, I I do question the ability of having foresight there yeah. uh, for Donnie in terms of like thinking that our tra- our situation was going to be so attractive. Giannis is just just wanted to stay, man. I mean that's who he was, and then also the money is so much more. Dude, dude complains about like soda prices, you know, like Giannis right. is a cheapskate, right? Like he, you know, he, he was a citizenless, he was he was a stateless human being. Me for for anybody that doesn't know this, like he did not. I don't think he had a passport. Like when he came here, like they had to get the State Department involved. That man was not turning down a quarter of a billion dollars for his supermax extension. And what's crazy about this, and I saw you project some stuff out where it's like. Okay, let's say they sign a new TV deal at some of the numbers that have been thrown around. Like Luca's next contract for if he were to like stay a Maverick for ten years, Luca's next contract could be so much more than what the next team could offer that it's 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 really beyond it's beyond what I I kind of have conceived with because all of us at this point we we're all guilty of this and and this is something that's been driving me crazy about social media lately. It's like, well, I just don't want to be paying certain players this much money, you know, and today's certain player, everybody means like Jalen Brunson. But reality is like, if the cap changes or goes up, the, you got to talk about percentage of the cap, not dollar figure. If, if, the, if the cap numbers change. Yeah. I mean, when he's a free agent, um, it's going to be 100 and the projection on a uh, real GM is $148 million. Okay. $148 million. And I can actually do the math real quick and tell you what that would be on a five-year deal. It would be, uh, Oh, Oh, and it's actually not 0.35. It would be five years, 300 million. Five years, 300 million. Like this, if we're about to get, like the reason I'm bringing this up and because number one, anybody that listens past the half hour mark of a podcast, you're a true fan. Um, when you get like, when we're, we're really talking about like funny money because it's the sort of stuff where it's like, you see these NBA legends who are like, wait a second, you're telling, and really like football players are my favorite where they're like, wait, this like, like Davis Bertans makes more money than I'm going to make in my entire, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's really funny stuff. But I, I, I appreciate that. Um, Let's see. I'm trying to see if we have any. Go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, like people always complain about that, but I'm always like, yeah, football is a much harder sport to play. But there is something to say about providing content 82 freaking nights a year. <laughs> you like, right. like I get everybody watches football way more, but there's 17, I mean, 17 games, right? Isn't that what they do right. now or is it? Yeah. They're like it's 17 games plus four playoff games if you make it and win the Super Bowl. So it's not even from the wildcard slot. So it's like not that much. Uh, whereas an NBA player might play seriously a hundred plus games if they play all their games and play the postseason. Shout out so. to Dwight Powell, hundred game, hundred game man. Um, all right, I want to bring up. We have a couple of people with questions, and guys, keep asking at the chat. Um, uh, Javier, I will address the the question that you asked about the TV deal a little bit later. But I've had my buddy Jordan waiting for a while. Hey, Jordan, what's going on? Hey, not much. Uh, I was just wanting to say that I feel like we have to start working on the draft more if we're going to 100 uh team build yeah we just, we just gotta start focusing on the draft yeah um and that might mean trying to trade some of our players that we have under salary now for draft picks 
which is um, which just doesn't happen. So, like it, yeah. draft assets are valued a lot more now than they were years ago. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I saw on this was on Twitter, but basically Lauren Gunn in a mock offseason traded Maxi Kleber to move up like to 19. Uh, and like, I like Maxi, but I like what we could get with the 19th pick a lot more than the 26th pick. Sure. Sure. And I, Maxi's like 30. I think one of his knees is already gone. I'm pretty sure the other one is on its way. Like, well, friend of the friend of I the show and Mavs Moneyball contributor Xavier Santos is constantly berating us where it's just like people need to have a serious consideration about the fact that the Mavericks may need to take a step back to take a step forward. Yeah. We're we're really old for a not old team. Or not young at all. But that's yeah. Mavs propaganda and it drives me crazy. Like I think Jalen Brunson and Luka Doncic and Jalen Green are the only ones that are under 29. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What? Well, yeah, so did you have? So you want to talk about the draft Green. stuff? You said, said Jalen Green. I'm down. It's been a long week. I have a toddler and a uh, five-week-old. So yeah. Ooh. So so what? So and I know some of the questions we might have already answered was. Was there anything else? Because you'd be like, you're the first person to quest like 25 minutes ago, so I apologize for that. Yeah, you uh, covered the uh, the sign in trade rules were my question, so really covered it well. Yeah. So thank you. I, I think one sure thing, Jordan. I, uh, Jordan, go read uh, post your your latest mob, um, draft thing in the chat. I like that. Okay. Um, one one of the things uh, that was worth it's just. One of the things that I, I think that we're all kind of underestimating is like 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 Nico Harrison was brought in to be the relationship guy. Michael Finley, the new cap guy, all these other stuff, like they're gonna figure this stuff out insofar as they can, but they all kind of bought in to a difficult situation that was not like I don't mean difficult bad. I just mean uh, there's some obstacles to overcome as you have mapped out and has Nico, I mean, they've alluded to this. Like, this is not something they're unaware of, which is, I think, why it's smart for the Mavericks to try to set reasonable expectations. Like, trading away assets to to get different assets, like draft picks and stuff, is extremely interesting to me. And I I, I don't know if they'll actually do it, because I, they really and, – and to our Slovenian fans who are going to scream at me for this, the Mavericks have about two years until Luka can start meaningfully making noise – like, he can always voice his thing, but he can't, you know, the leaks through a ah, – Luca might not be happy in Dallas. The Mavericks got, like, two seasons till that sort of stuff on ESPN goes full tilt. And so it's – I don't hate some of this stuff. I just have a hard time seeing them actually doing it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, man. I, I think, like, get, trading for draft picks at the draft just seems like overpaying. You know, like, that's when okay. it's, like, the most valued – in my opinion, you know, like going up to 19 with Maxi, I mean, like he's a playoff rotation player. I mean, he's not great or anything, but he's like, he was our closing five player and he, he'll be 30 next year for most of the season. He's not that old. No, I mean, but I mean, I do get it because the man, like his Al, ankle, Al, he's sort of made out of glass, but I, I get what you're saying. Al Horford is 36. I'm just saying. Sure. <laughs> he's a much a healthier guy, but. I mean, we need to accumulate playoff rotation players. Yes. For the right to go, up, the right to go up seven picks. I'm not. 
I'm not giving up a playoff rotation player for who's making $9 million a year. Um, again, I do want to get younger and get more, more players, but it just doesn't seem like it, it, are you getting an impact player right away that could replace him? Okay. Well then that that's interesting to me is someone like Tyrese Halliburton who slipped, you know, slipping and, and you can get into that spot. Okay. Like, cool. Let's do that. But just to get a slightly better prospect, I'm not down for that. Um, to answer a question from the chat, Taylor wants to know what I'm talking about. I interact with a ton of fans on social media and through email and whatnot. And one of the things that I found out about European fans is they sort of think players can do whatever they want at any time. Like they can basically force their way to a club and Luca's not going to stand for this and blah, blah, blah. Like I've gotten a ton and I get it. And I'm just like, there's a little bit of give and take. And that's what I would explain. Cause like the contract stuff here is a lot more like for as much as we bitch about some of the player movement stuff, the, the superstars in Europe can kind of, Pick and like think of it like 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 football stuff uh, in Europe where they can you know there there's transfers and that sort of stuff yeah yeah that's the issue thing okay um we have one more person waiting to ask a question Ben what do you got for us friend give Ben a second to find that unmute button hello hi Ben can you hear us yeah I can hear you there we go what's up. Hey, nothing much. I missed the beginning part That's of the okay. pod, but just wanted to repeat. Re- we'll repeat stuff. That's what this is for. So one of my big questions was going into the off season. Obviously, we want to possibly chase a big man rim defender, and I didn't know what. And I went to UT, so I'm slightly biased, but I didn't know what the scenario would be, who we'd have to trade, and what the contract scenario was for Miles Turner if we were going to pursue that in the off season. Okay, I can I can answer this. Um, I'll just use this to pivot into like what I see the likely path that the Mavericks are going to go. <clears throat> I think. Yep. Unless they get, unless uh, you know, it sounded like from Nico's thing, you know, like they're not really going to trade this pick unless something like really good presents itself. And you know what? Newsflash: really good things don't present themselves very often. Yep. Um, so I think they're going to take that pick, keep it, and maybe they'd buy in the second round, but that's not a big deal. I think the only way they're going to be able to get players this offseason is uh, the taxpayer MLE is like six point three nine million. Um, if you could get Hardenstein for that or <clears throat> another like player, maybe like Otto Porter or somebody who's useful mm-hmm. with that, I think that's the best route to go. Now, as far as a big man, either you use that tool. That's basically our best for signing free agents. Our only, except for minimum, you know, veteran minimum minimums. I wonder if Goran Dragic would even come on a vet minimum here. I don't um, know. <clears throat> And then the other thing is that you need to trade for players already under contract. Again, I'd, I, I, I love, I, I'd like to have DeAndre Ayton. I like Zach Levine. But just, like, making these sign-in trades that hard cap us, that force us to, like, lose a bunch of salary by using assets like Future Firsts and Josh Green or whatever. I know I, I mentioned Josh Green. Kirk's going to come in here and, and dunk on him while uh, Bibbs is in the crowd. And then <laughs> – and uh, <laughs> And and but to use up our young players that that could improve and future draft picks in order to dump contracts just so we can get this guy, I think that it's just too much. Like it's such a it's a that's dumb how move. You lose Luca. That's how you yeah, lose Luca's confidence. I'm kind of with you too. That was my thought. I was just wondering if y'all were thinking the same. The thing is, I don't see that big a difference between Zach Levine and some of the other players you could get on the market that as being like the 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 price to get them won't be that much different. 
right? Mm, so why get the player spicy? Why get the player that is going to make you get hard cap? Okay, yeah, that that you're, I I understand. Like you're you're not necessarily talking skill for skill. You're talking about what getting that player does yeah. to the rest of your set of rest of your roster. Right, like instead of going after Zach Levine as he's a free agent, go after a player like Zach Levine that's not a free sure. agent. If you're going to pay the price for Zach Levine, just pay the price for somebody else. Um, you know, my, my, my dream going into it if for the Drew Holiday trade it would be us, you know, using our pick this year, then the 25, the 27, and then using Spencer Dinwiddie or TJ, uh, THJ for somebody that's good, but I don't know if that's really going to materialize. My hope was somebody like Brandon Ingram that could be like a, a wing, but of course he did so well in the playoffs that no. I kind of threw that out. Yeah, of, of, of possibility. So I would Ethan, say for big man, it's going to be a trade for a player that's already under contract, or it's going to be the taxpayer MLE, or it's a minimum. Like those are the three options I see. So fun fact, I'm not breaking news here because I'm not a newsbreaker or sources guy, but I and this is going to be an obvious statement. That's all the reason why I'm sharing this. I've heard through the grapevine that the Ma- like the Hawks have zero interest in doing business with the Mavericks like ever again. So my John <laughs> Collins pipe dream is dead. Um, I was wondering about that as well. Right, but it's like it's like it's not really news where it's like okay, we've already been hosed by this team once by taking a Q-tip that's been you know ran you know like Mr. Q-tip head um, to, for Luka Doncic. Like they're not trading the other good player that they have. Sorry. Isn't, isn't the ultimate. Isn't that the ultimate, like, two-faced situation? They're like, we didn't lose the trade, but also we never want to trade with you again. Right, <laughs> right. But I, but I don't but Anyway, so it's like when we're talking those sorts of things, that's where, you know, because, like, I, one of my good buddy Matt Moore is, like, he's the guy that I think the Mavericks should go get. And it's like then digging around, it's asking some questions. Like, is it possible? Because I know him and Trey, but it's not. And so it's just like this is what you're talking about in terms of going and get a good player with – other assets and it's it's anyways i keep kind of repeating myself but it's worth i'm trying to sort of set the table because as we get closer to draft as we get closer to free agency like i've sort of stayed like me of all people i just am the consummate arguer and i have stayed out of the jalen brunson wars of 2022 because watching every day where like people devolve into like these rage fits about money that's not theirs and not ours and it's like it's just team building is difficult is really what it comes back to and when I am mad and people are talking about, oh, Kirk, another 2019 rant, I use that mainly as like you just can't make – you either can't make mistakes or you have to minimize your risk. And trading for Porzingis was a huge risk that turned into a mistake that they are paying for for years. And, you know, letting Haralba Bulgaris draft and, you know – between picks 18 and 40, they put, took three of the worst players available. That's hard to do. And it's just it's like all the way they still made the Western Conference Finals. So all you need is a couple of moves to go your way to change things, like the Reggie Bullock signing, who, if Reggie Bullock were on today's market for how he just played, would probably make $17 million a year. I mean, there, there's things that can swing the Mavericks way, I guess is my point. And I and, and I and I think like adding two competent, you know, like replacing Powell with a real decent playoff ready. Center. I've seen it over and over. People really love the idea of using the TPE to absorb homes, and and I see it. Uh, it would be good with his little push shot. I don't know on the perimeter. He's not that great, but he's okay. Um, yeah, th- getting a guy like that, you would 
you had asked about Turner. And so to get him, I mean, just mathematically, you take his, I think, 17 million, 17.5 million. Um, and I think we can send out about 14, 13, 14 million. I'll just use round figures instead of just using the actual math, because I think everybody's brain is hurting when I'm saying divided by 1.25, you know, minus 100,000 and divided by 1.25 is how you do it mathematically. But um, I think uh, they nope, not not going to try it too hard. <laughs> so if you do that, then like what is that construction and why does it benefit Indiana? Um, now, Kirk's going to comment on this and, and I'm right with there with him. He hasn't played. I, I get. I get Dalton earlier today compared it to like Tyson Chandler not playing. Yeah, D- Dalton's wrong. Sorry. But, that, but that's the reason why he was free at that moment because he was so injury riddled and then he did so well. You know, it was a we surprise. have starting so center. I think, think it was Brendan Hayward. Correct. <laughs> but going going into um, going into next season with him would be like our ceiling would be higher, but the potential for him to get injured and like miss a lot of time would be very Porzingis esque and. And so that's where you yeah. get into it where, you know, is it worth it? Because I, I really like the fact that I never worried that Dorian Finney-Smith and Reggie Bullock and these other guys were going to get injured. And Maxi Kleba, I mean, was healthy. Dwight Powell, even though he wasn't good, <laughs> it's like he wasn't yeah. injured. That goes into a further question I have more of sure. an, off of what you were saying is what is uh, and I've always kind of liked that idea on a lower level, but I think he's cheaper. And is Rishon Holmes has been a lot healthier throughout his career, although I like Miles Turner better, correct? Uh, let me check his games played real quick. You know, this is I'll, I'll be I'll be the typical podcaster and be like, great radio. It's true, though. It's hard. It's hard to do both. Yeah, Miles has always had injury issues, so I totally agree with that. You kind of run the Przingis risk there, and I think Rishon would have a lot better uh, health, although he may not have a higher ceiling, to your point. Yeah, well, well then played, there's... The most, games, the most games he's played is 70. I think maybe the early early career stuff might be more limited by the fact that he just wasn't getting time, though. Um, but, yeah. Uh, I, I think he's. I think he'd be a very positive player for the Mavericks. The interesting thing is, what would they cost? They got Demonte Sabonis, so maybe they they are ready to move on. But maybe we have to give something of value. I mean, would you give our TPE and our twenty sixth pick for Rashawn Holmes? That's I probably would just because I'm not. Although I've been a MFFL for years and loved Dwight Powell, just some of the minutes, how bad it was for him on the floor. If he can just kind of even equalize that to some extent. It would be nice to have someone not as negative as Dwight Powell, though I love him for life. <laughs> yeah. Ben, great stuff. Got anything else? I think that's all I can think of right now, just enjoying uh, hearing y'all shop it up and getting ready for next season, although I'll be uh, doing this from a different time zone in the fall. I'm uh, going to be keep which, following you guys. Which time zone? Uh, the uh, Greenwich time zone out there in London. Oh, sorry. So, oh, so, so, yeah, it's rough. Good luck. Y- yes, I know, I know. I will be it, the weeknight podcasts will be tough, but uh, yep. any Friday, Saturday, Sunday games, I'll be there. Outstanding, <laughs> bud. Talk soon. Thanks, guys. All right, um, my man Dwight, what's going on, friend? Hey, how you I'm doing, great. buddy? What do you got for us? I got a quick question. I feel like I've harassed Scott about this already, but Dan Gaff. Like, his extension doesn't oh, kick in until the year after next. So what's his 
Like, is he a BYC guy still? Like, what's his trade map? I'm going off of memory. Um, I think what ends up happening is that uh, he counts as an average of all four seasons put together divided by four. Ah, So theoretically speaking, he could be the, he could put in the TP as well. I believe I believe that that it would be I think that would be correct yes as long as he didn't sign his ex- he signed his extension before the season because that was what was required of him so there's been enough time. Okay, cool. That, that was my only question. Yeah, okay. I, I'm not entirely sure they want to do that and what kind of compensation you'd have to give them. Um, I mean, he seemed pretty positive for them when he was in the game, so um, that would be the that would be the issue there. But yeah, I, I believe you can use the. Because I think, I think when you look at his salary, his salary next year just straight up is too expensive, right? No, it's only like one point nine million dollars next year. The extension doesn't Maybe. keep until the year after next. So it actually, oh. with us being really high against the tax, that would kill two birds with one stone. Let me see. Uh, yeah, I don't, Matt. Y'all are. The math at me is I'm just like, huh? <laughs> Next. We lose Scott. Be really good audio. Or did we lose me? Hey, are you? Might have been me. Hear? Who knows? Can you hear yeah. me? Can you hear me now? Yep, you sound good. It it, it waffled okay. out for a second, but you're good. Yeah, I see it now. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't start till the next year. I, I'd have to look that up, man. I'd have to look it up. I think it would be. I think it should be fine. It should be fine. I, I'll look it up and, and get back to you on a DM or something. Okay. All right, brother. I appreciate it. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for hanging out. Um, let me see here. Anybody else hanging out down there? Brandon, you had you had something. What's up, buddy? Hey, Kirk. So I just wanted to. Make sure I'm processing as much of this as possible. So given our kind of cap sheet and our pick situation, Scott, would you say that, you know, for a theoretical, like, big move for, like, a second star or whatever, the timing of that would probably be best after the 2023 draft because, you know, we already have sent that pick to New York. We'd have all of our picks and then, like, Tim would have only two years left. I think Reggie would be expiring. Other guys would be expiring. So would that be kind of like, you know, our time to make a move? And until then, we just need to add rotation guys? Like, yeah. what would you put on that? I, I, definitely, like, that was that, that's going to be when you're able to do the most. Um, you'll be able to add, you know, 2023 at the draft. So then everything's future. You could give the 2024, 2026, 2028, and then, like you said, those hopefully non-negative contracts, right? Because that's that's what helps you to be able to build towards somebody. Um, I don't know for a superstar, uh, that's not going to be anything that we could reach. Like anybody that's all NBA player, I don't think that's possible. I think like fringe all-star is where you're – like that's what I was talking about, Brandon Ingram. I think that kind of level of player – the Drew Holiday kind of level of player is somebody that you can get with those kind of packages. Um, so I, I'm just interested to see who that could be at that point. 
And, uh, yeah, that is the best, most time, the time when they'll have the most flexibility, unless at the draft they trade another future pick. But, yeah, that, that, well, that's kind of my answer. See, I'm asking the tough questions of if the Mavericks get Hartenstein, Hartenstein, however you want to say it, and then they also somehow draft this Jake LaRavia guy, is that too many goofy-looking white dudes? Like, we've already ruled out – I ruled out Walker Kessler today as a draft pick because him and Luca would have the two most punchable face combo in the NBA. Like, can't we, we can't be doing that. I, I This – I'm really thinking about like like the Mavericks need some more cool dudes. Like the team was filled with like literally cool players this year. But like, I, I need more like like who are who are cool like 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 the Gafford one's a great. I I just love Gafford. Like like I want guys that I can root for. Like like, like Porzingis and Luca. This is try hard feel. I, I'm rambling, you guys. I've been up for I've been up since 5 a.m. I have I've no thoughts left in my brain. I'm I'm sorry. I, I definitely agree on the Gafford thing. I'm actually a Razorback fan, so uh, whenever we, we were on the clock to possibly pick him, I was begging, because I don't think Powell had signed an extension at that point, so I was just kind of begging for us to pick him, because I was shocked he had dropped that far, and then we I think we just traded back, and then we used whatever we traded back for to get Willie Cauley-Stein, so I've just been pissed ever since. Ah, Willie Cauley-Stein. There's a name I haven't heard in a long time. God, I want you guys to go look at the basketball reference page. The Mavericks had like 27 dudes and half of them stank. Like the rut, we're just at this really weird point where the Mavericks just got to the Western Conference Finals with like seven real NBA players, Boban Marjanovic, and some guys that are going to be playing in the Chinese league at some point. It's, it's amazing. Um, Brandon, thank you so much. You got anything else? No, no, that that was it. I just wanted to make sure I was processing all this. Thank you. You're the man. To answer your question, Kirk, I as a goofy looking white person, yes, I, I think that would be too many. I think we need. I mean, to I like. See, like, like I just this is we're t- I'm totally off the rails now, but like I've always wanted Luca to grow like the SEC haircut. Like Dalton has a couple of photos of him where like Luca has like someone gave him like the really long haircut. Um, I, I just, I, part of me really wants the Mavericks to embrace like elements of, of late nineties WWE and just go full heel. Like we're not, we're not, nobody likes Mavericks or Luca. Like there's, I'm just, I'm thinking about ways to make this team more interesting to cover. It's like right now, everybody's so angry about like the Jalen Brunson stuff or the fact we don't have a lot of options at the moment. And I'm just, I'm still vibing from the Western conference finals. Like, that was so cool. Did you get to watch a lot or what? Because you're in a wildly different yeah. time zone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was able to watch it a lot. My son loves it. So we record it or watch it later, and I just fast from social media. I had to turn off my notifications for Slack because you guys are just going wild in Slack. Uh, so that's why sometimes I don't get your DMs for a little while. That's all right. Uh, but, but man, it, it was it was it was the most enjoyable playoffs since 2011 i mean no doubt like it's by far and away that that game seven in phoenix was just magnificent i don't i don't know what else to say it yeah. was it was all awesome was so i would still, say go ahead i'm still like trying to to, to churn out stuff related to end of year content like we got a couple of our friends of the show uh, that do all kinds of different podcasts out there. We got the, the, what is it? The, the 21 going on 77 pod. We got the hoop spaces. We got, uh, 
my my guy Mads Outsiders with uh, with Bibbs and and those right. folks and it's it's like everybody's kind of looking ahead. And I'm just like I can't look ahead yet. I cannot look ahead because if I look ahead, then I get grumpier than normal. And so it's like this this pod is a good int- gateway for me because what you've told us is that the Mavericks have options, but that it's difficult. And then you did some math. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think they have they're in great position to make some trades again, just for players that are already under contract. And yeah, um, it, it's helpful. You know, I would look and see. You know, I'm most interested in the players that are the least negative uh, value that are large, like Spencer Dinwiddie. Like I've loved having him on the team. He did really great in the like ending of series, not in the beginning. Um, but I would say he's a player that we could use to build an actual trade package now. Uh, so that's, that's what I, I would look, be on the lookout for. If the Mavericks make a big move, I could see Spencer Dinwiddie heading out. Um, you know, the, the the roster as it is, we just need more playmakers, and and especially from non guard positions, so we could be a little bit easier, harder to guard uh, with cutters and stuff. Uh, you know, everybody said that to, to over and over. Um, I do think we have options, and I hope we get a rotation player with that six million dollars, and I hope we make a trade that's at least going to be bringing in somebody who's going to play a more prominent role on the team. And then I think you know uh, just Hope for health. Hope for a good year. Yeah. Oh. The health thing was quietly, you know, Tim Hardaway went down, and then everybody stayed healthy. <laughs> it's kind of yeah. the Mavs' last 40 games in the season. We didn't really talk about it too much because Maxi sometimes, like, shuffled around like Lurch. But a lot of good health luck for key rotation players last year. And people were like, yeah, Tim Hardaway wouldn't, wouldn't have made that big a difference. And I'm like, okay, plug him into the Josh Green, Frank Nillikin role, and oh, my goodness, like – it's great having a guy in the corner. They got a guard. <laughs> it's tough. It's yeah. You know, I'm looking forward. See, this is, this is the stuff we're going to have to reconvene on. Cause I'm just, I'm speaking gibberish. I'm looking at everybody making fun of me rambling in the comments. They're right. I'm, I'm too tired for this. This has been really good. So just so people kind of know what, you know, some of this is like all of us are, you know, Mavs money ball are like, like, like we're either non-compensated or, um, in my case, as my wife screams at me, you don't make enough to do all this shit. Um, <laughs> I, we're, we're still trying to figure out like when our release schedule, certain stuff is going to be. So I think you're going to be working on some posts and we will probably try to do something closer. It's like, like, so the draft is on, is draft 24th. Do I have that right? Um, let me look at my calendar. 23rd. Here. Yeah. The 23rd. And then free agency, theoretically, they're allowed to start talking to players, I believe, July first. So No, I think it's I think it's June thirtieth, six PM Eastern time. Six PM yes, you're right. You're right. Just Googled that. So we will probably do, if you have any bandwidth for this, sometime after draft day, but before the start of free agency, maybe do a second one of these to attempt to clear up anything because you know, we're we're we have really good Mavs coverage out there. Mark Stein is in existence. Lots of good reporters. So it's like, I think some of this stuff we might need to dip back into because it's it's there's a lot of interest in this. So if you're around, maybe we'll do it again. Yeah, I, I'll be glad to do it again. Um, my 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 selfish goal is to just make the discourse on Twitter that's possible more, more legal. No, I mean it's a bit. I I, I can I feel like I can see a difference. 
like from a year ago, whatever, when I started the account. Okay. Uh, That's good. Like people talk about things that are more, it used to get so frustrating. People would just talk about stuff. And that's why I made that meme of, uh, you know, the person who suggests asinine illegal trades all day is just this happy person looking out the window. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the one like looking at the mountain. Like I actually know the CBA and none of that's possible. Oh man. It's, it's good to have everybody join me on the sad side. (laughs) Well, the last thing I'll answer before we go is Javier asked a question earlier about like the TV contract. Like what does that mean in terms of Valley sports and all this sort of things? Basically, Cuban, when he came on um, the Mavs Moneyball podcast, one of the questions we had from him was about this stuff. And when they signed this contract in 2011, and then I want to say the extension was 2016, if that was if that's correct, it was before the cap spike. But I, I could be wrong. But they, the the NBA collective, did not foresee streaming. And so while they're still making tons of money, they get tons of you know advertisement, and like they do, they're they're clearly making enough money. But they're leaving a lot of it on the table by not working. Like a lot of local regional sports networks don't cover stuff, correct? And it, it, and and they don't want to because it's just too expensive for them. So I suspect we'll get more of a national plan at some point where you like you will actually get a league pass that's functional one day. Like they're just there's too much money being left on the table. Like I would bet, you know, just judging by the people that I talk with on Mavs social media. Almost half these people aren't paying customers. They go get illegal stuff. Like you're leaving money out there. People who want to give it to you. So I think they will figure this out. Yeah, and I was good. I thought I took it from the other perspective. The national TV deal sets, is set to expire after the 24-25 season, and so that's when you're going to see a big yeah. bump. I think they're going to cap smooth it, but that. So, so the key thing there is that Luca's deal comes after that. So. Yeah. Okay, and there's one more question. I'm just going to answer it. Uh, Jacob says, do you think uh, Brunson is a finished product? He took a quantum leap this year. Anything he can get better at? The main thing he can get better at is he, if he wants to earn the contract that he has coming towards him and, and really be worth that money, is he needs to start taking and making more threes. He cannot make one three a game while taking three of them. He needs to take threes off of um, high screens. He needs to take more catch-and-shoot threes and stop pump faking in the air into nothingness and doing the Joel Embiid 17-footer. Um, that's the main thing for Brunson. He takes a lot of two-point shots. He's very efficient at them. But at a certain point, if you want to go from being a 16-point-per-game guy to being a 19- to 21-point-per-game guy, you have to hit three-pointers. So I, I, I second that. And, and my read on Brunson is that he's one of those guys that, like, you know, some people are like, oh, they're not a hard worker. They don't put the time in the gym. Or, they, or they're like the uh, Chandler Parsons. They, like, talk like they do. But, they, you know, just like some <laughs> Dirk was like, some people come in and say they're a gym rat, and they just, they, I see them go out pretty early. I think Brunson, Brunson reeks of a guy who is a gym rat, yeah, you know, like I in agree. a good way. You know, that guy, that guy's going to put in the work. So yeah. his footwork, he, knows. This good. he was a guy who just like settled for okay. He's 100%. 25, guys. He's 25. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's yeah. sign him for whatever it takes. He gave him, him his house. entire prime. His entire Correct. prime. It's ideal. All right, guys, y'all been excellent. I'm sorry for my silliness for the last 15 minutes. I'm just tired. Um, everybody be good. I'm going to throw this up on the podcast feed immediately because I know people are interested. Uh, I did a show with my guy, Ben, uh, a reviewing. We did like seven player reviews. We're gonna have, I'm going to bring Josh on. He and I are probably going to record something else at some point. Um, just kind of trying to make it through. 
Uh, I went on a draft podcast today where like my, like they were asking me all these questions and it's like, I, I just want a good player. I'm not, <laughs> not picky. I want somebody that I cannot be mad at or be mad at for different things than Josh Green. So, all right, everybody be good. This has been Kirk Henderson and Scott, AKA CBA Mavs. Everyone have a great rest of your week. Been fun. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.